Hello. Welcome to the Market Weekly podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I am joined this week by Skander Chabby, Head of Convertible Bonds. Welcome, Skander. Hi. Great to be with you today. So we're going to talk about convertible bonds today, and, and, and part of what I hope you can do is, is maybe explain to some of the people listening kind of a bit more about it. Not everyone may be so familiar. Uh, and I think it's hopefully a, a relevant and useful discussion because if we think about equities, if we think about uh, fixed income, both of them arguably facing their own challenges. Uh, on the equity front, kind of perpetually worried about valuations. We see earnings, negative earnings revisions uh, recently, given kind of lingering problems with supply chain disruptions and inflation. On the fixed income side, of course, rising rates is, is always problematic. Uh, and maybe convertibles is the answer to every investor's problem. So we'll, we'll see how far we get there. So we could start off, Skander, maybe give us a bit of a, a primer refresher on what convertible bonds are, uh, and then talk a bit about, if you could, what's kind of an, an optimal environment for convertible bonds. Yes, so convertible bonds are an old uh, instrument in the market. Uh, they uh, appeared in the late 19th century. They were uh, extensively used by uh, the railroad companies in the U.S. Uh, as a cheap financing uh, tool, and uh, they uh, they allowed actually the the many of the speculators at that point uh, to get exposure to a company's stock via these instruments. So. Uh, they're, they're actually a combination, a hybrid instrument, a combination of a bond plus a call option. And this embedded optionality is what provides investors with a pretty uh, decent total return uh, type profiles. And within the structure, since there is a part of that instrument, which is a bond, it also provides for limited downside uh, in a scenario where the equity doesn't perform. Uh, so that's really the instrument in a nutshell. There are some bells and whistles that are associated to uh, convertibles depending on on the issuer, the, the maturity. You can have all sorts of different uh, structures, but uh, the, the vanilla convertible bond is just basically a bond plus a call. And uh, the, the advantage for a company uh, in terms of issuing a convertible is first get your coupon cost down because uh, in exchange for selling an option to investors – uh, you're able to reduce your interest rate uh, payments, or your, and uh, and therefore you know manage some form of savings in terms of overall interest rate cost. And the second big advantage is if you're a young company or a company in the tech sector or biotech sector, for example, uh, you have a pretty you know pretty nice uh, growth trajectory. Uh, your stock will often be quite volatile and. Um, if you uh, think about the, the volatility that feeds the price of an option, uh, the more a stock is volatile, the more the call option is worth to investors, and therefore it, it automatically allows for lower coupon and, uh, and a richer option to be sold to investors. So we'll talk about that sector aspect in a bit, but if I could go back uh, and ask you about what environments are good for convertible bonds. Well, all environments are good for convertible bonds. Wow. I think it's 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 more. I think we have to look at it in terms of a percentage of your allocation. If you're if you put yourself in a in an equity portfolio manager's shoes today, and you, you think about the high valuations and you know the the topishness of of certain markets, uh, it makes sense to look at convertible 
as a replacement for certain equity stock holdings that you that you have uh, in your portfolio. Because if you're thinking about a potential you know, reversal in terms of valuations, then the convexity that is embedded in convertibles will provide you with a better protection uh, on the downside. So I would say, first off, from, from an equity perspective, it makes sense to switch into convertibles at points in time where you think that stocks have reached a high. From a fixed income investor perspective, uh, if you look at it uh, versus uh, rates or versus credit, uh, obviously today with a lot of questions around you know, the, the future path of inflation and the future path of interest rates, uh, the convertible bond market usually uh, stands out because of its rather low duration. Uh, the average duration, global duration, if you want, is around two. So investors are earning a little bit of yield um, and getting exposure to uh, sort of the same characteristics as a corporate bond because you have that redemption at par, uh, of course, if you exclude defaults, but uh, but you're also lowering your actual duration in the portfolio. So it, it makes sense to own as well, depending on how expensive or cheap the embedded optionality is. But for a, a fixed income investor, you're not taking too much risk in terms of uh, interest rate sensitivity. So the fact that we're arguably going into a higher rate, higher inflation environment isn't per se, or at least as much a risk for convertible bonds as it would be for generic bonds. Is that right? It's less of a risk than for generic bonds uh, as a direct risk. But then you always have you know, the possibility that if rates continue to rise strongly, then overall equity markets will suffer and that will have an indirect consequence, of course, on the behavior of convertibles since it's tied to the performance of equities. But if you take it apart piece by piece, uh, your interest rate sensitivity is much lower uh, via convertibles than obviously than via straight corporate debt. Right. Well, that sounds quite attractive then. So next question, what type of investors should be looking at this? Is it just an institutional product? Uh, can the person on the street, should they be looking at convertible bonds? If I, if I look at historically the, the, uh, the holdings of our different strategies and funds uh, throughout time, I would say it, it's been pretty stable with about 30%, 35% retail uh, investors in our open-ended funds. Uh, and we've had about the 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 rest of it is you know to generally broadly qualify them as institutional uh, clients, uh, pension funds, insurance companies, and so forth. There's a very attractive value proposition here for convertibles, especially within the the solvency framework, because they are actually less costly in capital uh, than some of the high yield bonds, the straight high yield bonds. Uh, so there, there's bit of an advantage for some institutional players to to invest a little bit more into convertibles and reduce uh, the actual uh, capital that they need to set aside uh, by being invested in convertibles. Okay, let's um, move a little bit more into what's going on in the market right now. I mentioned at the beginning, investors worried about valuations in the equity market. How do you value convertible bonds and how do you think they're valued today? Okay, well, the the market was driven or has been driven at least for 2020 by a lot of the companies that found themselves in a pinch in terms of uh, cash flow, in terms of revenues because of the pandemic. So that was a big driver of uh, the new issuance. So if you think of any company that was having trouble last year, any airline, any cruise, any retail, uh, all these companies looked at the convertible market as a quick and cheap way to raise cash 
and to face any potential um, cash squeezes on their balance sheets. So they, they were very successful in raising billions of dollars last year uh, in new issuance. And this is really what drove a big resurgence of uh, the convertible bond market's uh, primary activity. But overall, uh, there, there is a lot more to look at than just companies that are facing cash crunches or that were facing cash crunches. Uh, it's also a very uh, viable tool, as I said, for, for high growth companies. So typically, you'll tend to find uh, a very large proportion of tech-related uh, companies that use a convertible bond instrument as a source for financing. Because in this context, with low rates, they're issuing structures with very little coupons up to maybe uh, 0.25 or up to 0.5, depending on the uh, the credit quality of the issuer. Uh, but you, as an investor in convertibles, are gaining uh, a very interesting exposure to a tech company with high growth rates, uh, which absent default, of course, will provide you with uh, a very nice upside in, in case the stock continues to perform. So we have a very large mix of either high growth companies or companies that we're facing and that might be facing a little bit more uh, cash crunch. That's particularly true in the US. Uh, in Europe, uh, we see a lot more, let's say vanilla issuers from the industrial space, uh, from the uh, consumer discretionary space that use the convertibles uh, also as a uh, attractive financing tool, especially uh, for some of these companies that um, are dependent on um, a lower rated uh, financing. And in Asia, we've seen also uh, a big wave of uh, property issuers a few years back. Now, obviously not, not the best in this context, uh, so we've avoided all those, but there's also been a large um, a cohort of uh, Asian issuers that are listed in the U.S. under ADR form that have used the convertible market as also as a source of financing. And these had performed quite well, obviously, until 2020, where the regulatory context and, and the, the, the blowback from you know from the U.S. and, and the whole friction developing there uh, has been a little bit tougher for some of these convertibles. But you see that there. there really is a wide range of reasons for companies to issue convertibles, and it's not just limited to a particular subsector of issuers. Thanks very much, Skander. If I can summarize what you've shared with us today, a bit of what hopefully we've all learned. You talked about convertible bonds as essentially being a hybrid instrument, providing on one hand uh, protection uh, in terms of the bond component, uh, and at the same time, the potential to participate in the equity upside uh, for the company that's issuing the bond. Another appeal for investors is that, generally speaking, it's a lower duration instrument than the equivalent bond from the company. And given that we're arguably in a rising rate, rising inflation environment, that's certainly appealing. It's also an instrument that investors should consider if they are concerned about the level of equities because, of again, of that downside protection that the bond component uh, provides. In terms of the advantage for issuers, uh, they like this security as it gives them the opportunity to raise capital at a lower interest rate than they might otherwise. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you'd like more information, please check out our Investors Corner blog or reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. You can also look for us on Alexa by enabling Investment Insights or searching for Investment Insights on the Alexa app or on Amazon under the category Alexa Skills. 
My thanks to Skander for sharing his insights. Please join us next week when I'll be speaking with Chi Lo about everything that's going on in China. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.